0: Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of 2 Corinthians. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.TheWayMinistriesRI.org. Thank you and have a great day. Hi,
1: everybody. Hi, family. Welcome to the coming out of the dark Bible study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's word. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, for making this all possible for us, right? Going to the cross, shedding his blood, forgiving us our sins, giving us a new purpose and a new life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. Amen? Amen? I'd like to thank the Smithfield Avenue Congregational Church for letting us do our study in their facility, One Body. Amen. I'd also like to thank the faithful people that serve in the ministry to keep things going, the internet and keeping it cool in here. We're grateful for each and every one of you. Your phone lines with One Body. Amen. We all need each other for this to function properly. If you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study. We we'll want to start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Abba, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity to gather together as your family, Lord, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, to put your name above all names, Lord, even our own, Lord. Thank you for all your generous provisions that you provided for us today to meet our needs, Lord. Thank you for getting us all here safely, Father. We're just so grateful for everything you do in our lives. Never let us take for granted all the blessings you give us each and every day, Lord, and all the opportunities you give us to glorify you and build your kingdom as we go on this journey called life. We pray for the people that can't be here, Lord, that are sick. You let them know, Lord, that you're always with them. You never leave them nor forsake them. and You're always going to be with them, Lord. Strengthen them and give them the opportunity. Through the other services we provide, Lord, the internet or the phone lines, So they could get the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight, Father. I pray for our great nation, that you keep your healing hand of love upon it, Lord. For the sake of your believers here, Lord. And I pray that everything we do tonight be led by your Spirit, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany and Jasmine are going to come up and sing, and we're going to get started. doing tonight, alright? It's good to see everybody as we go in to dive in get a portion of God's Word and get fed spiritually. Amen? Something that the world is starving for. I don't even realize. we am just so grateful that we can gather because there could come a day where it's going to be real difficult for Christians to gather. The way the world is going at very uncertain times. Take advantage of what we have for the time Okay, let's go to that scripture that um, Mary put on the board there, John chapter 1, verse 10. Matter of fact, let's back up a little bit. Let's keep this one going. Go to verse 6. Everybody there, all right. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. But all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. Amen? All that put their faith and believe in Jesus Christ have become children of God. Amen? It's what we believe, not how we perform. Amen? We believe in his son, we're children of God. And it says in verse 13, they are reborn. What do you mean they're reborn? Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human. So whenever anybody mentions Jesus, Jesus is the word. That's why it says the word became human. So if you want to know what Jesus would be like, You would have to read the word. The word and Jesus are one. I get an amen for that. We have to understand that. Jesus is not some surfer dude that walks around. No, Jesus is the word of life. And the light is the light of truth. That's what they're saying. Light is truth. So the word became human and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Amen? Amen? So Jesus came into this world, and he knows exactly what each and every one of us goes through while we're here. Amen? And we're so grateful for that, right? So when we go to Jesus with our failures and our faults, he says, I accept you. I know what you're going through. And he pleads our case before the Father. Amen? Okay. Let's go to uh, you know what? I have another scripture that God that God revealed to me to share with you. Okay? So let's go, let's go there, okay? I want to I want to share something with you. I, 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 was, I was at home, and here it was. John chapter 4. Is everybody with me so far? Mm -hmm. All right. It's been a long week, a hard week at work. It's been hot, trying to take the life right out of me. Amen. But let me tell you something. He was in me. He's greater than the. He was in the world. Right. The spirit of God takes over. Don't worry, John. I got you covered. Okay. So we're good. Let's go to John chapter four, verse thirty-one what it says. This is something Jesus was telling the apostles. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You see it? My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So our nourishment as believers comes from doing God's will and finishing the work he sets out for us. That's what truly fulfills each and every believer. That's the food that we need to get through this life with joy. Look what it says. You know the saying, verse 35, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. You See, once you get born again, and you start a new life, now your job here is to bring other people to eternal life. And that's what truly fulfills us. Not a sandwich. After you get a sandwich, you're hungry again. This is what fulfills us as we become believers, so we're never hungry again, reaching for the things of the world to get satisfaction. The satisfaction comes from doing the will of God. Can I get an amen for that? And that's the fight that we have, is God fights for first place in our heart. The the fight between the flesh and the spirit that every believer goes through. Who goes through that? We want our will, right? And we want it to line up with God's will. But no, God's will is different than our will. So that's why he he makes some changes in our lives. And he plants some new desires in us. He says, I want you to bring that ignorant person into the kingdom that you ran into this morning. That you were yelling at and screaming about. I want you to bring him into the kingdom by you representing me. By you being quiet and loving them like I love you. And that's what's going to fill you. That's the work I set out for you to do. I put you on a mission field this morning when you woke up. People, places, and things. To what? Glorify me and build my kingdom. So when you get into the world, he wants you to represent them and do the things he asked you to do. Bring them to eternal life. Now, sometimes you can't talk about Jesus, correct? You know, you're in a place. But let me tell you one thing you can always do. You can always be like Jesus. And act like Jesus. Amen? That's one thing that the power of the Holy Spirit has given each and every believer. When you understand that whenever you wake up, Jesus has put you on the mission field, and there's a purpose in everything you do to glorify Him and build His kingdom, then you're running with purpose in your life. You finally found why you were created. To bring other people, to give God glory, and bring other people into the kingdom. Even those people that you'd rather not associate with. Right? Those people that rub you the wrong way or insult you or talk about you or are harsh and critical towards you or misrepresent or, or talk about you in the wrong way. And God's saying the only way they're going to ever change is if you bring them to me. My word is what's going to set them free. If you close the book on them, how are they ever going to find me? And when you understand that, you say God sent me to that person. God sent that person to me. I have an opportunity to do His will, right? Look what it said. You want to get nourished today? If your life is empty still after you have everything, it's because you're not getting your nourishment from the will of God. Can I get an amen for that? Your will will never nourish you. You'll always want, want, want more, more, more. But when you do the work, when you do God's work and you carry out His will, you get fulfilled. You understand why you were created. The very purpose why he saved you. Again, amen? right, stay with me here. Now look what it says. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. Now look what it says. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. So, what is it? There's great joy and reward awaiting the planter and the harvester that bring people to eternal life. You realize when you get in God's will and you actually fulfill it, and you get someone into the kingdom, it brings no more joy to your heart than when you do that. There's no drug, there's no food, there's no material thing that will cause that kind of satisfaction in you that will fill you when you actually bring someone into the kingdom and do the will of God. Now, when you ask God to do your will, His will its not. You might not like it in the flesh. It might take something from you. It might consume your time. It might consume your talent. It might consume some of your treasure. The sacrifice to get the word of God out there or to serve the purpose that he's created you to do. But let me tell you something. Once you line up with his will, there's nothing better. Nothing better in your life than the, satisfi- the satisfaction out of doing the work of God. Nothing. People fight for this. And God wants to put... First, God wants first place in you. Why? So you can have that joy now. So when you go to heaven, you get a taste of it now. Who wants a taste of what's going to be happening up there? Amen? All right. <laughs> All right, we're going to start. This, this, that's a great verse to read. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. That's why. Nobody didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. They didn't know. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the nourishment we need to grow. When you get saved, God puts you on in the church to teach you, to mature you, so you can go and get other people saved. But you can't miss going to school first, learning about God, becoming like Him, acting like Him, and then going and representing Him properly. Amen? What's wrong with the church today is people misrepresent God because they really don't know God. Because nobody's taught about Him and how He acts or His attributes and His character, which is revealed through Genesis to Revelation. How many Christians have not read through the whole Bible and say, I know God? No, you don't. If you haven't read the Bible cover to cover, you really don't know God fully. It's up to each Christian to get in the book from Genesis to Revelation and develop that relationship with God to see how he operates, to see how his character is, and see how he works through circumstances and people, through visions, through miracles, then you can see him everywhere. Because you see how he works in the real life, the life of people. You understand what I'm saying? That's why it's so important to read the Bible. Amen? Okay. Why do I keep driving that home? Because I want you to understand... To get that relationship with the Lord. There's nothing like it. To get that desire to read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Then you could say, now I know God and everything about Him. He's revealed it to me me through His Word. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to begin there. Like I said, if you want to get back into these studies from the first chapter, they're all lined up on the internet, right? We have them on the site. If you want to go back and revisit that. Okay. Let's go. Verse 1. And I'll explain it as we go. Paul was talking about how to defend himself because people were coming in. False teachers were coming in. See, it's not like it is here. I'm here every time. Paul was in Corinth. He couldn't be there all the time. And when he wasn't there, there was other people creeping into the church trying to say... Give them a different word and say Paul's word was wrong. And he wasn't having any testimony. They were trying to nullify him that Satan had come in there. But see, unfortunately, unfortunately that's not going to happen here because I'm here. It's not like I'm not going to be here if somebody else is going to come in and preach. Amen? Thank God, you don't have to worry about that. He did. Look what it says in verse 1. I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promise you as a pure bride, Greek, a virgin, to one husband, Christ. I am want to explain this to you now, what he's talking about, okay? But let I me mean, keep reading. We'll keep the context. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent you happily put up whatever anyone tells you even if they preach a different jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed but i don't consider myself inferior to any any way to these super apostles who teach such things i may be unskilled as a speaker but i am not lacking in knowledge he knew god Okay? Paul knew God. People judge by outside appearance. God looks at the heart. Okay? We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. He didn't want him to think he was in it for the money. And when I was with you and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you and I never will be. Listen, I can say that for myself. I I don't put a burden on anybody here. What do I do? I get up every morning right, and I go to work. I don't put a burden on the church to pay me. No. Because it's not about the money. It's about the word. And it's about the truth that has to go out. My rewards are in heaven. I can go up and make my own living. This is not a... This, I don't, I'm not doing this for a living. I'm doing this because God called me to do it. Amen? And I'm compelled to do it. Even if I don't want to. I'm possessed. Amen? That's fine, Lord. Don't worry about it. Okay? Love he's looking at my hands because were a little pain on them. Well, you know, I didn't get a chance to clean all the paint off today. I hope everybody can accept that tonight. Okay, you guys are right. My wife seems to have more of a problem with anybody else. (laughs) So, you'll have to see my paint cars for a living, and this paint, that didn't come off. So, but that's not going to interrupt the message, I presume. Right? Okay. That just goes to show you that I work, right? Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being... Uh, uh, empathetic with me. Law, I'm expecting you to be the same way, okay? All right. Now we get that out of the way. Because it was making me a little uncomfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable when I treat Alright, so everybody accept my hands? Okay, because I can put them in my pocket too. See? Because you're not paying attention to that, right? You're good, that's right. Paying attention to what's coming out of the Word of God. Exactly. Stay focused now. Here we go. All right. I love everybody. I'm not putting my hands in my pocket. That's it. I'm going to have to accept it one way or another. Hey, just think, if you ever get into a problem, I can paint your car for you, and it'll look beautiful, because God has gifted me in that area. Amen? He's given me the ability to match colors. And there's a lot of colors out there now. (laughs) All right. Let's get back focused, okay? It said, verse 9, And when I was with you and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you and never will be. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece or Acacia, the southern region of the Greek peninsula, will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I don't love you. God knows that I do. But I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity. To boast at that work. That is just like ours. Okay. There's a lot of imposters out there in Christianity. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers. Who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Okay? There's a lot of things. That's why it's so important that you read your Bible so you understand if there's any false teaching or false doctrine going on, then you can what? Call it out. It's to educate you. Or else you're just going to believe whatever you hear coming from the pulpit. And say, I'm just going to trust that. No, don't trust it. Go to the Bible and make sure it's true. That's why it's important that you read it. And that's why I make sure everybody does. So it is no wonder look what it says in verse 15 so it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness in the end they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve all right before we go on to verse 16 I want to reiterate on what we just talked about okay just stay with me now we're going to talk about the bride and everything he was talking about okay Paul asked the Corinthian believers to bear with him as he talked foolish okay in a human sense. In other words, Paul felt foolish rehearsing his credentials as a preacher of the good news, okay? But he thought that he had to do this in order to silence the false teachers that were coming up against him. Paul was anxious that the church's love should be for Christ alone, just as a pure bride saves her love for one man only, okay? That's what he's saying. By pure bride, he meant one who was unaffected by false doctrine. That's what he meant. The pure, unadulterated word of God, unaffected by false doctrine. The Corinthians' pure and undivided devotion to Christ was being threatened by false teaching. Paul did not want the believers to lose their single-minded love for Christ. Keeping Christ first in your life can be very difficult when you have so many distractions threatening to sidetrack your faith. Just as Eve lost her focus by listening to the serpent. You too can lose your focus by letting your life become overcrowded and confused. This is why when you stick to one ministry and the Word of God, you don't get confused and you don't get sidetracked and you don't get taken out of context. But when you do that, it's very dangerous to go all over the place for the Word because you can get sidetracked and get in there's false teachers out there all along. You know when you come here... I read the Bible. I don't take it out of context. I read it right through. If we study the book of Corinthians, I don't jump all over the Bible. We read right through it to keep its context. Because you can make, look, if you try to put scripture with scripture, it's not. it doesn't always line up because some scriptures are in a different context to say the same thing. So you can't do it like that because it could be a different context. That's why it's so important to just stick with one thing. Read this Bible is all you need. Get a Bible you can understand and read. Get a church that's teaching the Word of God. Plant yourself there and get rooted. So this way you won't get sidetracked and get confused. Because some people listen to all kinds of stuff. So that sounds a little bit different. And this is a little bit different. And then we get confused and it creates doubt in the believer's heart. Amen? That's why it's so important to get rooted in a good Bible-believing church. That's teaching the right things. And not to keep going off into other places. So that's what it's trying to That's why he said the unadulterated bride of Christ is the true word of God. Keeping, keeping Christ first in life can very diff, be very difficult when you have so many distractions threatening to sidetrack your faith, okay? By listening to the... Look, Eve lost her focus by listening to the serpent. You too can lose your focus by letting your life become overcrowded and confused. Is there anything that weakens your commitment To keep Christ first in your life. You have to ask yourself that question. How can you minimize the distractions that threaten your devotion to him? The Corinthian believers were falling for smooth talk. And messages that sounded good and seemed to make sense. Today there are many false teachings that seem to make sense. Don't believe someone simply because he or she sounds like an authority. Or says words you like to hear. Search the Bible and check his or her teachings against God's Word. The Bible should be your authoritative guide. The false teachers distorted the truth about Jesus and ended up preaching a different Jesus. A different spirit than the Holy Spirit and a different gospel than God's way of salvation. It's so easy to get sidetracked. Because the Bible is God's infallible Word, those who teach anything different from what it says are both mistaken and misleading. That's why we don't run off the commentaries here. Because that's just someone's opinion on what the Word says. You understand? The Word of God is speaking to the church right now, and the Spirit is speaking to each one individually. Amen? That's why it's important not to run off to that kind of stuff. You want to get a deeper revelation of what the word of God is? Then you have to desire to want that. See, the more you seek him, the more he reveals to you. You don't have to go outside the word of God. He'll reveal all you need when you sincerely seek him. Amen? You don't need to go out of the word of God. Don't be deceived. Paul was saying that these marvelous teachers, super apostles, were no better than he was. They may have been more eloquent speakers, but they spoke lies and were servants of Satan. Paul, a brilliant thinker, was not a trained, eloquent speaker, although his ministry was effective. He had not been trained in the Greek schools of oratory and speech making, okay, as many of the false teachers probably had been. Paul believed in simple, a simple presentation of the good news, and what do you get here? A simple presentation of the good news because Paul did it and that's the way it should be done. Not by some eloquent worldly teacher. Okay? The world, look, the world can't teach you God's word. Only God can. Amen? You don't look to the world to teach you about the things of God. You look to the word. And that's all I do. Listen. Listen. God's my teacher. God's my teacher. He teaches me, and then I teach you what he teaches me. Amen? I'm not getting taught from anybody, no person. I'm getting taught by God through life. Amen? That's how he's teaching me. So we can all what? We can all we can all relate. And I go to work every day, and there's people that come up against me. There's people that come up, traffic, right? People are rude in line. People, you want to open the door. Don't want to let somebody go. You know how it goes, right? I'm in the same thing. So I understand what you go through when you're not in church. But what do I do? I get up in the morning. I'm going to work for Jesus. The Bible tells me to do that. When you get up, I go to work for Jesus. This way here, everybody that comes in front of me is Jesus. I have to treat them like they were Jesus. When you can do that, what a life you'll have. If you can treat everybody that comes in front of you like Jesus, you'll be doing God's will. What? How the heck am I gonna do that? God said He's giving you the power to live like He does. Don't say you can't do it. You can if you want to. Again, amen for that. And that's what we're doing. We're growing up spiritually. The what? Put our flesh down and say, okay, God, I know you got me in this situation right now with this person and I am not happy and I definitely want to say something and it's definitely not what you would have me say so right now I'm going to use what I'm learning in church through the word of God to keep my mouth shut and leave it to you that is what spiritual growth is all about being able to know when to speak and know when to shut up and the difference Get an amen for that. It's good. It's all good. That's what we're learning how to do here. Wouldn't it be great... You know when you say something that you wish you could take it back after? Well, God says, I'm going to give you the opportunity to think before you speak. Here's the crossroads. Here it is. Here it is. The moment of truth. You know what the Word of God says, and you know what you want to say. If you can just stop right there and don't act on impulse and let the Holy Spirit speak you probably won't say anything. Because you know what's coming out of your mouth is not a good representation of God. Right? The flesh is nasty. We're always going to get our point across. And we do it in subtle ways. We think we can do it with a smile. But people can see right through that. And so can God, right? All right, let's keep going. Let's go to verse... um, Sixteen. Paul's many trials. Everybody with me so far? Oh, yeah. right. Mary got them things with the zippers. They got the she had the, the mask with the zipper across it. You know that it's becoming like a, a style now. The COVID thing. She's got one with zipping. She gave me one with a zipper on it. I think I'm gonna wear it more often. Yeah. <laughs> because. Not everything that comes out of my mouth is godly. And I know that. How about you? We can be real here, okay? I'm transparent enough to admit, just because I'm up here doesn't mean that I don't fall short. God gives me the grace to get back up and get back in the race again. Nobody's perfect. Only Jesus is. Amen? So you can be real here. This is a real church. And we can, we're a hospital for healing people. We're healing from what? Our sin nature. that causes so many problems in our lives. Has your sin nature caused a problem for you today? I can tell it has. I'll tell you what. Today I did good because I was just too tired to say anything. It was too hot. It was, it was hot in the shop. There was a lot of work to get done. And I knew if I kept talking, I was going to use up too much energy. So I just keep my mouth shut and get the job done. Amen? So I was in a good place. Even though I was tired. I I didn't have much to say. (laughs) All right. Look at 16. Again I say, don't think that I'm a fool to talk like this. But even if you do, listen to me as you would a foolish person while I also boast a little. Such boasting is not from the Lord. See it? But I'm acting like a fool. (laughs) He's admitting it. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you're so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up, it, you put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that to you, right? Paul never did that to them. They were, they were robbing them. They were fleecing the sheep. And they were giving them everything. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder than... Been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. He's trying to say that he represent he couldn't not do it. He's trying to say he got put in jail, he got beaten, he got whipped, and he still proclaimed the message about Jesus. He said, None of those other guys did that. Nobody was willing to die for the for the teaching. Look what he's saying. Five different times. Look what he says. The Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Now think about what was going on with him now because he was proclaiming Jesus. Say it again. He was proclaiming Christ, right? Five different times the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes. Now you know what those lashes were like, okay? They tied him up to the thing and they whipped them bareback. Okay? 39 times. They said after 40, they might have killed him. That's why they only gave him 39. But just imagine the agony and the pain he went through just because he was mentioning Jesus. And they told him if he stopped mentioning it, that wouldn't happen no more. And he couldn't stop. Because he was called to do it. Just like any preacher or ministry can't stop doing it no matter what. There's no money, no fight. It doesn't matter. They can't not do it. Because they're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now look what it says. Three times I was beaten with rods. Now imagine getting beaten with a rod now. Once I was stoned. Imagine getting rocks thrown at you. Let me get a sip of water. You think after that he say, I'm all done with this. I'm all done with this preaching stuff. Here I am representing God and and I'm getting whipped and stoned and beaten and thrown in jail. No, he could not do it because he'd seen the risen Christ. Look what it says. Three times I was shipwrecked once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. Just imagine that. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from the men who claim to be believers, but are not. Greek, from false brothers. So don't tell me there's not false brothers in churches. There's many. There's a lot of them. Look. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, who came up against him. He's saying if they were really believers, they would have never did that or came up against me. But I'm not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. Tell me about it. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold with enough clothing, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Think about the burden he put on him. Remember what Jesus said. I'm going to show you what's going to be how much you're going to have to suffer for my name'sake. When I mean, he turned them around on the road to Damascus, and he suffered for his name'sake. He's trying to say, if I wasn't if I wasn't real, you really think I would have went through all that and not given up by now? There's no human being that will be able to endure that and then say, I love Jesus after all that happens. Now look what it says. Who is weak without me feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Here's how you know it right there. Somebody that's serving the Lord will boast about their weaknesses, not their strengths. There's an indicator right there. Because Apostle Paul is the example of what a preacher and a pastor should be. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Ataz kept God at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. Just imagine what he went through. He was trying to tell the Corinthians, I'm the real deal. And this is what I went through for you. Go ask all these other people to say they, they, they got the same ministry and ask them if they went through all that. No, they were taking all their money. They were making money on them and he was robbing them blind and they were discounting Paul because he wasn't so eloquent. Just imagine after getting beaten, he must have looked a little rough around the edges, no? I'm sure he wasn't dressed in a three-piece suit. I'm sure he had some battle scars. You know what's wrong with people? They look at prestige and outside appearance, even in ministries, but that's the exact opposite in God's plan. He uses the people that God, that the world considers worthless or useless. He doesn't use people from ivory towers. He uses people from life. He used prostitutes, fig pickers, sheep herders, right? Who did he call? And he even called an auto body painter. Go figure. Believe me, if I was, you could ask my wife if this was my plan to be like, if this was my plan to be up here, a pastor in my life. Are you kidding me? I was claw- I, this was the last thing I ever thought would come of me. And God says, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to use you. I said, really? You want to use me? The worst one? He says, "Yup, Yo, because you know how bad you are. Now I'm going to show you how my power works. To transform your life into something beautiful. Right? He took me from the pit to the pastor, to the pulpit. Amen. Okay? That's Jesus. That's the work of God, not my work. I couldn't get there. Thank you, Jesus, right? You got the real deal here. Whether whether I look good or I've got pain on my hands. <laughs> Whatever it might be, this is the real me. I'm not going to try to hide it. Got it? I'm transparent enough to tell you I'm nothing without Jesus. Nothing. All right, let's go into chapter 12. Let's let's dive in. We're getting along. we're We're moving along pretty good here. Chapter 12 is awesome. Is everybody with me so far? All right. I love everybody in here. You really know. My wife will tell you. I pray I love everybody. And, and it's real love. It's real I lay my life down for the people here. Because I love them. I'm not looking for money. And my rewards are in heaven. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Just to get that is all I need. I already have everything. What do I need? I don't need anything else. I got my family. Pretty, fairly healthy. Got a job, got a home. What more do I need? Got everything I need in that song. I put him first. He's giving me back everything without any sorrows behind it. Now it's all in its proper place. It's all in order. I was so unorganized and had priorities all backwards. God was last. I put him first, and everything falls into place. Slowly but surely. And then everything becomes a joy. But that takes time, and that takes work, as we battle this flesh that wants what it wants, when it wants it. It's very hard for John to stay home when he gets up in the morning. And let God take over me. You know what I'm talking about, right? You want to do his will. But my will comes right back. Am I the only one that goes through this? Oh, okay. Good. I guess we can relate that. Well, there'll be some people up here saying, you just don't have enough faith. I get up, everything's perfect. I pray two hours a day. I get in my car and I just love everybody. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And then you opened your
0: eyes.
1: (laughs) I'm working on it. All right, look at verse 1. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. He said reluctantly, but he had to tell them. This is why he got that revelation that he can go through all that beating. Because he was called to a specific ministry to pen in 13 epistles in the New Testament. He had to see something to go through all that without denouncing Christ. Look. Look at verse 2. I I, I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. So what he's saying? Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Just imagine. He had an out-of-body experience. Something happened. He wasn't even sure what happened. Look what it says. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up. Greek. But... I know such a man that he was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they could cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about. See it? But I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. Now, he's the only one that's seen heaven. And Jesus risen. And he's saying, I'm not going to tell you about that. I'm going to tell you about what's wrong with me and my weaknesses. He's the only one. Let's go. Let's keep reading here. That experience is worth boasting about but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want... Listen, listen to his motive. Because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though i perceive such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Oh boy, here it comes: A messenger from Satan to torment me or to buffet me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away each time He said, "My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness." Now my question is you. Is there any thorns in your flesh? As there are things in your life that you wish weren't there and you keep praying for them not to be and they just keep showing up. Well, maybe they're there to keep you from becoming proud and to keep you relying on Jesus. You ever think about that? Paul tried to get rid of it. See what he said? Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Please, Lord, take this away. (laughs) Look what he says. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now, so I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You see it? When he boasts about how weak he is, then people can see Christ. Because now everything, his strength, comes from Christ, not from him. See, that's why he did that. Now look what it says. That's why, look at verse 10. I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's the principle right there. That's the principle and the key to your life of becoming a mature believer. This is what he said right there. I'm going to say it again now. It's the last thing. Verse 10. I take pleasure, listen, I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see it? There's the key right there. You take pleasure in suffering. Imagine. That's the heart of God. That's maturity. Being able to take it without... And complaining about it. Why do I got to do this? I'm faithful to God. I go to church. I give money. Why is God doing this to me? Because that's not how God works. That's no guarantee that that's going to make your life easier or heal you. All right, we're going to stop there. When we, get, we continue, we'll get into verse 11 of Second Corinthians chapter 12. Thank you for letting me share that with you. I have you some hope you have something to think about. Brittany and Jasmine are gonna come up, we're gonna stand and close. Thank you. Thank you. All
0: these pieces broken.
1: Close us in (laughs) prayer tonight. Amen. All right. Thanks, Brittany. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Until we meet again, God bless.